and we're seeing a lot of pricing pressure there. People expect their broadband to come at at, uh, at a low cost. Uh, you know, I think it's funny that people are willing to spend three to four bucks a day on a cup of coffee, but you charge them more than fifty bucks a month for broadband, and they lose their minds. Yeah, I, I think that sort of that analogy applies to a lot of things with, with relation to a cup of coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and so and and of course, broadband is is uh, you know for for economic reasons for. Uh, for education reasons, it really is the, the conduit for how we do things yeah. today. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. All right, this week we're taking the pod on a field trip. We go over to the west side and visit with Blackfoot Communications. We sit down with Jason Williams, the CEO, and Joe Fungi, the Vice President of Strategic Development. Joe and Jason, just a, such an interesting conversation to hear about how Blackfoot is... Um, kind of reconceptualizing its role as a technology leader in western Montana and kind of the northern Rocky Mountain region. Um, Joe just recently came over from Montech. He was a colleague of mine here at the University of Montana. He was sort of at the center of how the university brings its technology um, to the economy. And he is kind of continuing that same sort of technology leadership role at Blackfoot, leading up a new initiative called C2M Beta. And we get into detail about what that, what that new initiative is all about. It's essentially a technology incubator. It tries to identify promising new technology plays in the local economy and give them the infrastructure, the guidance, the coaching they need to succeed. And you're going to hear a lot about C2M Beta in the near future. they got some exciting new announcements that are going to come out in the media in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Anyway, we come to you from the conference room over at Blackfoot. The sound is a little off from our normal standards, but um, it was a cool chance to visit uh, these guys on location to catch a moment of Jason's busy time and Joe as well. I mean, these guys are high-powered executives doing important work to advance the, uh, the future of technology economy here in the state of Montana and beyond. So I'll turn it over to Jason Williams and Joe Fungi. Okay, so I'm here today with Jason Williams and Joe Fungi from Blackfoot Communications. Guys, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I say I'm here today, I'm sort of in, in your space. I'm on site, right, uh, in the conference room. And a lot going on with Blackfoot that, that we can talk about. You're just a you know, key kind of institution in this community. Uh, Jason, you've been, been here a while. I'm really interested in kind of your story. You said you started here as an intern and then left and came back and Maybe give us a little bit of a, of a history of your relationship with Blackfoot. Yeah, for, for sure, Justin. Thanks for, for coming over and uh, to the west side of Missoula. The west here side, yeah. on our <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if people realize, um, you know, we've been over in this location for close to 40 years, but people don't get over here very often. But with, with institutions like Burn Street Bistro and DraftWorks, this part of town is getting discovered. Um, but but to your question, so I um I I, I was born and raised in South Dakota. Um, I, I went away to college and studied literature. Um, lived in Seattle in the the mid '90s. Kind of did the dot com thing, 
and then came out of there um, because I really fell in love with Montana okay. and needed to get out of the city to time in Seattle was well spent but it was time to come to something that was more my speed and my mm -hmm. style so I went to law school at the University of Montana okay and and when I um, uh, in 2002 uh, in my second year of law school I got an internship with Blackfoot here and I, I came uh, funny story, our current Vice President of Human Resources interviewed me as an intern 15 years ago, and now I'm her boss. Huh. She... That doesn't seem like the typical internship for a law student. You know, it, 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 I think I was the only intern Blackfoot had ever had. At the time, uh, Bill Squires, who became a, a very good friend of mine and was the CEO before me, he, uh, I think he was busy doing more kind of chief operating officer stuff and needed an in a legal intern to help with more of the bread and butter legal stuff. So okay. uh, so he hired me on, and, and a lot of it, that's part of the story too, is he and I struck up a really good friendship that even when I graduated from law school, I went to work for a firm here in town in Missoula, um, did a few other things, but then I eventually came back to Blackfoot in 2012 okay. uh, as the general counsel, um, uh, and then now have been CEO for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty typical for a CEO to, to rise through the legal side of the company? You know, I, I don't I don't know. Um, um, well, maybe you're a pioneer in that, in yeah, that space. Yeah, I, I, I'll take, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a pioneer in something, I guess. Sure, why not? <laughs> and Joe, we were sort of colleagues of a sort until very recently. You left the University of Montana um, in December yep. and came over here to head up a new sort of uh, tech incubation effort. I don't know if that's quite the right way to describe it, but C2M Beta is the yeah. the name of the the uh, the entity. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and and why you made the switch over to over to Blackfoot? Yeah, sure. Um, so I mean, a, a little bit of history first. Um, you know, in my time in Missoula, which is about you know eight years or so, um, much of that time was spent uh, helping to grow the incubator down on. East Broadway, Montag. Yeah. And a lot of the success that came out of that was in part due to Blackfoot's commitment to broadband at that facility. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that was part of uh, Blackfoot's commitment to community and giving back. And so early stage companies would basically have, you know, virtually free access to high speed broadband to perform um, cutting edge sort of technology businesses. And an example of that that I always give is. Um, uh, audience awards which mm -hmm. uh, was looking to upload and download a lot of video content the cost of doing that out of you know your basement or an off location oh, yeah. downtown was just uh, impossible and so through Blackfoot's commitment to startups she was able to basically secure her first customer okay. and there from there to grow and now has a you know a global customer base and, and it's obviously part of our sort of first uh, cohort as well um, but all that to say there's been a long sort of relationship with Blackfoot, and um, and so part of my my jump over was part of uh, really Jason's vision and the company's vision for um, what we call smart growth, which is um, telecommunications has a pipeline of connectivity into businesses, communities, people's lives, and um, and so they were constantly thinking about what are ways to better enhance and, and enrich that, and in this program C2 and Beta really is based off of a, uh, a corporate model that mm -hmm. you see in Disney and 
Budweiser, Verizon's. Um, what's unique about this is we're the only company in sort of the mid-tier telecom space that's doing anything um, like this. And, uh, and really the, the, the overall objective is to uh, bring a couple of companies, early stage businesses into the fold at Blackfoot for basically a six month engagement to really explore the possibilities of, uh, of working together. And, um, and so we launched uh, just um, last month We've already kicked off our first company. We're on the heels of recruiting a couple of others um, and really looking for about two to four companies um, during this first uh, first year of, uh, of, of the launch of C2M. And that's something I, you know, as you as you laid that out, Joe, that I hadn't really thought about. I mean, we have a lot of entrepreneurial activity in the state of Montana. So many startups going on and, and um, yeah, you know, so many of them tech oriented. I had never thought of sort of access to infrastructure and broadband as, as a limiter, but in a, in a state as rural spread out as this one, I suppose that's a big limiter. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, 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 it's I think where the value proposition for C2M and Blackfoot's engagement in this really comes to light, which yeah. is, you know, technically speaking, uh, we have customers in 16 states, roughly 20,000 either enterprise or residential customers. I mean, these are people that a young startup, number one, doesn't necessarily have the audience with to engage, to, to get customer feedback. Yeah. And secondly, the infrastructure to deliver products, whether it's data services, um, whether it could be voice or whether it's broadband, um, those are, again, things that we take for granted every day because that's what we provide. Sure. But the cost of doing that for a small business, uh, particularly in a heavily de- data-driven uh, society, huge. Is, is huge. Yeah. So it is a, a unique positioning. Can we help them early on to kind of figure out their model, maybe gain some traction and get going? And, and long-term benefit could be a couplefold. Number one, just helping build community. We're sold on sort of this idea of broad community, but also sort of uh, entrepreneurship innovation community. Um, and then obviously new products and services for Blackfoot and its customers as well. So um, so really it is it is kind of a unique thing that, that we can provide. And so to put that in a programmatic format that happens in a stru- semi-structured way over a six-month period of time, it's really, there's nothing like that really happening in, in our region. Um, and the one other novel aspect of ours is we're not focused solely on venture capital or raising money at the end of this. So th- these can definitely just end up in, in long-term business partnerships. And that doesn't mean we're opposed to raising capital. Sure. But 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 our motives are, are really driven around finding partnerships. And so the core uh, thing that we're looking for is we bring in one company per month to kind of preview and to see if there's a fit. And the number one thing on our criteria is the people. I mean, we're looking for people that we mm-hmm. feel we can work with. There's a great innovative community here of 200 folks. And, and and if we can find that fit, then we believe we can probably do more than we could imagine sort of by ourselves. Yeah. And so I want to get into, in, in a few minutes, the kind of what you're looking for in, in some of these people that you know are applying or trying to get their way into this cohort. But before we do that, and Jason, I'm kind of curious, you know, Blackfoot, sort of a traditional telecommunications company, my understanding is sort of the heritage was, you know, laying cable up the Blackfoot Valley to give people up their access to, to services. How do you kind of go from that type of business, sort of the wire business in a way? You probably have better 
vocabulary yeah. than I do around it. But to something like this, that seems it seems quite a bit different. Yeah, you know, fair question. I think the um, I, I, it's they're very different, but I think culturally. Um, Blackfoot and a lot of these startup uh, innovative companies, there's way more alignment than you might realize. Okay. So the, the the story that I that's that is the stolen and AT and T were refusing to provide <clears throat> telephone service to the the rural parts around Missoula, places like Sealy Lake, Clinton. Um, so uh, a group of small business people and educators decided to build a phone company themselves. Um, so there was no Kickstarter or any sort of funding mechanism back then. So they went door to door asking people for 50 bucks to start a telephone wow. cooperative, which yeah. if you think about in the mid fifties, that's, that's, it's a very, um, uh, a visionary thing to do. Mm -hmm. And those, those ranchers and business people and educators strung copper wire along pine trees and fence posts and everything else to, to bring voice service. And then once we had the connectivity, that, that's obviously grown then uh, beginning in the early 90s with the advent of the internet um, and, and the connections that have grown too. And as the connections have grown, our customer base and our technology has grown dramatically. As Joe alluded to, we've got, you know, roughly in the neighborhood of, of 15,000 small residential customers getting just kind of basic phone and internet service all the way up to uh, some of the, the, the largest companies in Montana and even some of the largest companies in the world. Um, we provide uh, cellular backhaul service for T-Mobile and AT&T and Verizon Wireless. Uh, we provide wide area network services to, um, uh, to, to companies like Glacier Bank or um, uh, uh, big healthcare providers. So. I think culturally, it's not that far of a stretch. Sure. Uh, and I think the the other thing is too is that the, um, you know, there's this this notion that broadband connectivity is kind of the basic pathway to to any business to any residence, and we're seeing a lot of pricing pressure there. People expect their broadband to come at at uh, at a low cost. Uh, you know, I think it's funny that people are willing to spend three to four bucks a day on a cup of coffee, but you charge them more than 50 bucks a month for broadband and they lose their minds. Yeah, I, I think that sort of that analogy applies to a lot of things with, with relation to a cup of coffee, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so, and, and of course, broadband is, is uh, you know, for, for economic reasons, for uh, for education reasons, it really is the, the conduit for how we do things yeah. today. So as we look for, it makes sense then, we've got the, the highways in place, the mm -hmm. connectivity in place. What can we do to help these people that are, uh, their, their entire business models are in some form or fashion uh, based upon using the internet? How can we help them um, uh, get to customers? How can we help them refine their technologies? Um, uh, you know, how can they leverage our network and, mm -hmm. and the relationship they have with us uh, to, to fine-tune their products. So all of those things, at first blush, I think you're right, it makes it seem like, well, this doesn't make sense, why is Blackfoot doing it? But if you if you dig into it and think about it like, like I have, it, it really makes uh, a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, that was something I, I hadn't quite thought about, is the, the, the companies or the ventures that you're sort of inviting into the cohort, if you will, or companies that are basing their business model on that connectivity mm -hmm. is that i mean is that sort of an implicit condition in being considered or you know what sort of ventures are you looking for 
Yeah, so I, I think um, uh, connectivity is definitely has to be a, a, a part, but I would also venture to say that connectivity is probably a part of sort yeah, of virtually you can every tie that into any, any business, today. I would think. Um, so um, just from a, a, a strategic point of view, um, some of the, the factors that, that we're looking for um, would be things that are happening in the healthcare space, okay. things that are happening in the banking space. Things that are definitely happening in the telecom space, um, and then and then also more broadly, sort of marketing and sort of branding. Um, and there's there's some reasons for that, but I think the, the the most general answer is that when Jason talked about leveraging our customer base, um, we have a large percentage of those uh, those industries um, as part of our portfolio, and so we're really looking to create um, a test kitchen. Uh, scenario where we can kind of bring some of our customers together some some let's say unique ideas business opportunities and it doesn't mean that it's a it's a straight shot traditional product development path where you know there's an end goal defined at the end of six months and it's exactly where we're going it's very much exploratory and just a quick story that I often give is that this idea of a test kitchen um, really obviously originated in the the restauranting industry and I like to tell the story. There's sort of two measures of criteria for success in uh, restaurants. One is the Michelin star, which is based on consistency. Get the same steak today that you'll get next year. Sure. And and then there's the 50 top restaurants in the world, which is all about creativity. You know, what's Scandinavian cuisine and how can you present that in the most creative manner? So this is a story of a, um, a restaurant called El Boule, which back in the 80s was trying to sort of improve its um, it's it, it, it's reputation and so they started to close down the restaurant during the off season and basically travel test things sort of outside huh. of the main kitchen fast forward a couple of decades and they were the first company to land at both the top of the michelin list the three stars and the top of the 50 oh interesting so yeah. so you think about the balance between finding consistency and creativity isn't isn't very easy and so the analogy carries out that it's because they had a test kitchen, and in that test kitchen they had a community of people that were trying different things, everything from the, the main chef, the CEO, um, to the line chef, and they were sort of experimenting with things. And the second factor was that when they decided to bring something over into the main kitchen, it wasn't uh, an experiment. They had already made that decision to come over. Yeah. It was just the logistics of how that might work differently in the main kitchen scenario. Sure. And so I, I say all that to say, that that's the the atmosphere that we're creating. So we have a main kitchen, it's Blackfoot, it's doing really well, providing service every day, and we're gonna continue to do that into the future. And we have this test kitchen that we've established to bring some companies and some customers and and even some outsiders, Uh, Front Street Capital is a great partner Mm -hmm. of ours in this, um, to come and, and really sort of experiment. And what we're looking for is a few things that make sense to kind of bring over into the main main kitchen. And, um, and then we, when we identify those, then we'll develop a specific strategy to, to do that. And so I, I say, I would say that we're looking for companies that are doing interesting things. And I think early stage is another criteria that I should mention because um, we want someone that's um, still in an exploratory sort of phase. We say sort of early stage, you know, pre-seed, seed capitals kind of stage. Um, still kind of molding things. And, mm-hmm. and so what that means for molding to, 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 to some information that Blackfoot has or Blackfoot molding to some sort of uh, analytics that they have 
Um, we're really looking for for partnership in that effort, and um, and that speaks back to my earlier point about people. Yeah, you know, people that can come in and connect. One other thing I should say is just logistically, when a when a company comes in, it, it's 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 a test kitchen, but we're bringing a lot of people from Blackfoot into that test kitchen. You probably know by now that this podcast is produced out of the College of Business here at the University of Montana. But what you might not know is that the college is about to celebrate its 100th anniversary. That's right. Coming up on September 21st and 22nd, we are going to launch a series of centennial celebration events. It's going to be a great party, and I encourage you to get involved. If you're interested in more information, check out business.umt.edu slash centennial. It's going to be an awesome time, and I hope to see you there. Sure, sure. So yeah, I noticed on the uh, on the website the word "coach" appears yeah. several times, and that, that's sort of a. I'm sure that word was chosen intentionally. <laughs> yeah. You know, talk a little bit about that. Like, what's what's this coaching relationship all about? Um, yeah, and Joe can speak to that, but I do. I mean, on a related, um, just to build off of what he just said, you know, earlier you asked the question about infrastructure, and uh-huh. I think what what Blackfoot also provides to these early stage businesses is access to our people. So being a, you know, we're a $60 million company that's been around for 65 years. We have a really robust finance department. We have a really robust marketing department. We have a really robust sales department. So we can offer um, uh, just as important as sort of the physical infrastructure, whether that's data center space or broadband connectivity, we can offer these businesses access to our marketing people to help develop marketing plans. We can offer them access to our finance department to build business case or product mm-hmm. analysis. So th- there's lots of th- there's lots of Blackfoot people that are involved, there's outside people involved, and there is indeed a head coach. And and Joe's Joe is uh, Joe's the head coach. Joe's the uh, the Vince Lombardi <laughs> sure, of, yeah, of yeah. the overall thing, but but we've got other aspects of that too. So I'll let him speak to those. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate the sporting analogy. Uh, I'm not sure I hit hit the qualification there, but um, but yeah, on on a on a the, to your question of coaching and sort of logistics, um, we kind of have a, a, a tiered model. Um, on, on the inner core is a is a small team of kind of three to five people mm-hmm. um, and those are company specific and when I mean company specific I'm, I'm referring to the startup company so if someone's doing something in the marketing space we might have someone from our marketing group sure. someone from you know Front Street Capital some other external advisors so there's a small group that really sort of serves collectively as kind of a, a coaching group to sort of guide the company through the six-month process and we definitely um, adhere to sort of uh, lean startup methodology approaches, and so every week everyone's reporting out on sort of their. Okay. Uh, their Can you just give us like a, a, a basic primer on lean startup or? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my my, my uh, summary of it is is the idea of constant sort of iteration of yeah. uh, based on uh, customer feedback, and okay. you know that that's sort of our approach which is what can we do during a one to two week sort of period of time Mm -hmm. to design an experiment test it get some customer feedback and then sort of reiterate and and move forward and 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 one of the other premises of that is always testing the pace of the team right i mean how fast can can we move and so so that's another critical factor but that core team is is there for sort of um is guiding uh the company through that that process and in the company, obviously, sort of in the middle, and then the third outer tier is really a, a broader network of what we would call experts. 
And so these are folks that might be local legal firms or other venture capital firms. And these are people that we would call on for a specific request, right? So we have a specific yeah. issue we need to deal with. And, and obviously we're sensitive to people's time. Mm -hmm. But we've been able to leverage sort of uh, Blackfoot's reputation, sort of the network that's been established over the past couple of years in Montana to really build that expertise uh, network. And, and so simplistically, you've got a company sort of being guided by this small agile team um, over the course of several months all along the way pulling in sort of the experts that are needed uh, as we go. And, and as Jason referred to, a, a lot of those experts are actually internal to, yeah. to Blackfoot. Yeah. And is, is Blackfoot taking ownership stake in these ventures? Or like, what's the, what's the kind of strategy there and the termination plan at the end of six months? Or like, yeah. How does that work? That's a great question. And, and to the, to the uh, model of uh, experimentation, I would say at this point, we, we, we don't have a set sort of uh, approach to how that works. Sure. Although it's probably a heck of an audition, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's part of it. I mean, back to sort of the model, I mean, there's three ways to approach sort of a, an accelerator program. There's the VC, which is all about raising money. There's the philanthropic, which is just for the sort of good of community. And then there's a the corporate. And I mean, one of the, the, the unique aspects we have in a, as a corporate accelerator is because uh, we don't have to sort of necessarily report back to our stakeholders what our sort of Sure. You know, ROI, I mean, you know, this is with your investment background. Um, no one's necessarily counting the jobs that we create from a community perspective. So I think it gives us a, a more open lens. It's, it's also given us an opportunity to sort of explore what investment can look like in companies. I mean, obviously that can represent a lot of different things. I, I will not, I, I don't say that to detract from your question. I would say that probably 18 to 24 months from now, we'll be very clear on sort of what that kind of looks like. Of course. Um, but the models out there are across, across the board. Um, some put uh, cash up front in every business. Um, some take a consistent equity stake in every business. Um, and so I think right now, as we're approaching this, we're, we're kind of depending on the situation, we're looking at what makes sense for the company. And there are some that are um, not interested in, in, in equity stakes, and we don't want that to be a a turnoff because that's our model uh -huh. and they don't fit. And uh, so we're, we're experimenting with a number of different approaches um, as to how we, um, how we set up the, 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 uh, the, the experience for each of the businesses. Right. And what you, what you're kind of describing broadly, I mean, is a, kind of a theme that's emerged a little bit in this, in this podcast. And that's been kind of, how does this community build and find and seize opportunity? And, you know, we had an, an interview with the mayor, couple months back where he was talking about like the different pieces falling into place in this town be it the university you know the way that the city government city council is functioning and so how do you see this the city sort of facilitating these types of partnerships and what role does community play in that if you will i mean because it sounds like you're sort of trying to build a culture in this place yeah i mean community and and uh, plays an enormous role are Blackfoot's ultimate parent company still remains a cooperative, uh -huh. and and cooperatives have, uh, you know, obviously they they are in it to to be profitable and make money, but just as significant and just as important uh, to me and to Blackfoot is w w w the activities we're doing. What sort of impact do they have on the community? And I think um, creating a program like this. Uh, you know, continuing to help foster the the incredible entrepreneurial high tech ecosystem we have in Montana is a good opportunity to do that. 
we've um, uh, the 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 Innovate UM event that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. The, the city was involved with that. Um, Blackfoot was intimately involved. Joe and I both. Um, we had uh, meetings with both the university and the mayor uh, ahead of time and afterwards to talk about uh, about that very question because I think um, I, I think that uh, to the point about things are sort of falling into place, I think we have to be intentional about what that looks Absolutely. like or else um, uh, we can just kind of get bowled over because the stuff that's happening here is, is just going to continue to accelerate, I believe, as far as... Um, you know, I think the mayor describes, and I agree, that Montana has definitely been discovered. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just a place to come and feed the bears in the Yellowstone. <laughs> it's a place to come to 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 have a good job, to raise a family, and have all the incredible amenities of 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 uh, uh, of Montana. So, um, uh, and and I think even on the um, uh, on the the technology side, I know that. Um, there's been an incredible amount of uh, investment capital that's come into Montana and Missoula in particular over the last 12 to 18 months. I think that the numbers are somewhere in, in 2017, it was more than $80 million. And you see uh, other folks uh, raising money for funds that are earmarked for technology in Montana-based companies. Um, so, so we need to... to if we want to keep what made this ecosystem unique, we have to right. be intentional about... I don't want to say controlling, but but kind of managing in a way that that uh, that makes sense. Sure, yeah, you know, I've heard that kind of sentiment before. Is you know people say like I don't want Missoula to become the next Boulder or the next yeah. whatever, right? And and you know how do you you know you use the word intentional, which I think is appropriate, but you know how how is a community as we as we're trying to sort of foster the innovation that's already here and people here trying to hustle and, and create new things, but also people looking at Missoula as a, as a place to move their firm or move in. I mean, we see in the Missoulian every week, like, oh yeah, this firm's coming in and they're hiring a hundred people. And so how do we kind of, or how do you think about how this community kind of absorbs that, shapes that, manages that change over time? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, and I've, we've said this already, but, but cultural alignment is really important. If it's a company that exists in Montana or that's coming from outside, I, I think pretty quickly we can figure out, particularly if their leadership kind of shares the same values that, that we do at Blackfoot. Um, and there's lots of like-minded people here. And, and I think, you know, if we have shared values, we can... Um, we can help each other and grow. Now, obviously, you're right. There's going to be companies here that maybe aren't a cultural fit for Blackfoot, um, and and certainly we can't say no to those companies. But um, um, I, I think if we foster the people that have shared values, the companies that have shared values, that will carry the momentum to continue to have the larger impetus and theme for what we want this community to be like. I, I don't know, Joe. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the big takeaway I had from the guest uh from uh oslo a couple weeks ago as part of this innovate um mm -hmm. uh you know which has become this sort of innovation mecca sort of in europe um is they talked about sort of the the balance between university you know city slash government and private sector and in one of the meetings someone asked the question so you know obviously how does the financing work who pays for you know all this great stuff and and their simplistic response was it was kind of a third, a third, a third. And, okay. 
And so I'm not suggesting that should be the funding model, but I am suggesting that, that I think that there's a balance to, to perspective that comes from, you know, a, a higher uh, education institution that's focused on training folks that can come out of the business school or come out of the computer science department or wherever to go and work in all these companies. Mm -hmm. As I know, the business school at U of M has done has been very forward looking about making those connections earlier than, than later. Trying to. Trying to. <laughs> yeah, doing a good job, I think. And then, then you have the city who's kind of responsible for the roadmap of how in the world is all this going to work from, you know, housing to, you know, uh, wages. I mean, all these sort of factors that are, are more government kind of uh, kind of driven. And then you have the private sector. And, and I think what you're seeing in Missoula is you're seeing the private sector is is moving and it's starting to to really kind of gain some momentum. Absolutely. And uh, and so I, I think my hope coming out of the meetings is, is, is at least a balanced discussion. I mean, mm -hmm. finance is a different conversation, but I think at least if we can sort of realize that there has to be a balance of, of, of perspective on those three things um, and be intentional about those conversations, then, then I, I think we can sort of jointly address issues or, as Jason said, maybe be more proactive about you know what cultural alignments we're looking for. And I would say that I think that that all boils boils down to you know sort of marketing at the end of the day. I mean, we do a great job of talking to ourselves. I think sometimes in you know Missoula or Western Montana, yeah. but um, there's a lot of people that have either grew up here, came to school here, aren't here anymore, and they don't have an idea of sort of the great things that are happening here. And I think those are the people that we want to sort of come back. And they, they were they were here. They're you know, it's rooted in their heart to be part of this community. And, you know, being a father of five young kids, I mean, the reason I sort of do this um, other than sort of for a job is the fact that, I mean, to build community, you have to be thinking that far ahead. You do? You know, I mean, my oldest is only 12, youngest is two. I mean, to, to do community development, build ecosystems, that's a 10, 20, 30 year sort of deal. And so... Yeah. I think there's also this 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 element, and I think it's why I was attracted to Blackfoot. Is as Jason said, been here 65 plus, going to be here another 65 plus. So, I mean, that deep rootedness of community and finding the balance between that and some venture backed companies coming from the West Coast, I think that's the type of thing that can make this really work. Otherwise, it becomes too too one sided, and so. I think that the, the city, the university can provide that long-term stability. This is who we've been, this is who we're gonna be. And, and pulling the private sector into those sort of discussions to, to help mold that message. Um, I, I just, I continue to be bullish about sort of what's happening here and, and, and the possibilities that I think are really beyond sometimes what we even dream of. Yeah, and it's very timely. And, and you know, I'm, I'm bullish too. Like if I were a buyer, I'd be I'd be buying for sure. <laughs> Along those lines, the university's gone through a big change in leadership and we're sort of, you know, roughly 4 or 5 months into President Bodnar's tenure here. A lot of proposed change. I mean, we got to kind of get our house in order in a lot of ways. Um, but how do you more explicitly see the university as a as a as a partner on a broad level and then, you know, in in closing minutes, I'd love to get into kind of what can we do better with our students to prepare them for these types of ventures that you're working with or these these sort of changes in the community? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, you know, I, I've, uh, uh, I've, I've had a chance to speak with President Bodner a few times, and I've heard him speak publicly about one of his initiatives of breaking down the, the walls. Uh -huh. And I think that the companies like Blackfoot and private industry can really uh, accelerate that by, by finding ways to partner with the University of Montana. Um, I, I think, um, uh, you know, the, the business incubator Joe, Joe talked about earlier is kind of a unique example where you kind of have um, university and private industry kind of partnering to create, um, uh, a, a, uh, uh, to create the incubator. I, I think that there's uh, opportunities to reach out directly to um, uh, to, to specific departments at the university, whether it's the business school or the, the, the school of, uh, of pharmacy or health or, or even the law school to figure out, you know, to, to get a sense of what, what exactly is the university working on from uh -huh. a research standpoint or from a project standpoint to find out where there's overlap perhaps with what we're doing and what we're thinking about. And it's it's a lot of work, but I'm convinced the way to do that is is uh, is just developing relationships. It's taking time to go have lunch and a cup of coffee with whether it's Chris Shook at the business school sure. or Maureen Humphrey at the the, the school of health mm -hmm. to to figure out what they're up to and 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 then to continue those conversations too. Um, hey, just because maybe there's something right now that we're we're not aligned with, let's let's keep in touch and and check in because um, things on campus are changing quickly and and things uh, in the private industry are changing quickly as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I would I would just add to that. I think uh, you know what's the intersection between sort of you know private industry and the university, and I think the one word that comes to my mind is experience, and and this might be a debatable topic, but. I mean, students come obviously to get an education, um, but um, we're constantly looking to to recruit people. I think at Blackfoot, the numbers are in the past sort of, you know, uh, eighteen to twenty-four months, it's been eighty new employees, right? And and, wow. and, 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 and and that's some due to some some attrition. And and and, and anyways, so we're constantly sort of looking to sort of bring new folks on, and so. There's a, a ripe opportunity for us to provide experience for students mm -hmm. while they're they're being educated, and I don't think that's just true for us. That's true for for anyone. And and I, I read recently, um, due to sort of the workforce shortage in certain areas around the country, um, big corporations are even recruiting folks even as early as high school to come in yeah. and, and get a a good paying job, and they'll deal with the education piece later. Mm -hmm. So I, I really think there's a, a an opportunity to talk about experience and not just, I mean, internships always sort of get the label and, and I think that's definitely a, a part of it. But I mean, broadening that idea of experience and what it looks like across sectors and the strengths of the university and, and the research department is strong there. Um, but 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 I, I, I say that there's a, a, a great interest uh, of engagement from the private sector and I think what we can provide that the university can't by itself is, is that experiential piece. Yeah. And so I think it's a natural, and it, again, it gets back to that sort of shaping of community and we're working together. There's an, another takeaway from the guests we had from, from Europe was everything that they did was driven solely by the students. Mm -hmm. I and mean, the students had owner, they talked big budgets that the students would get. So again, I just think that youthfulness of you know sort of engagement and, and us providing sort of a, a fabric for 
um, experience is something that um, I think will help uh, you know attract students I think position students in our community with good paying jobs and I like Jason said even I think creating new opportunities um, and I had a great pleasure of working with you know Paul Gladen and, and you know all the others sort of uh, in the innovation space on campus mm -hmm. um, and um, there's a lot of incredible things that are that are happening there and uh, so it's, it's ripe for for partnership and and I just think that um, as Jason said more engagement would would, would be helpful mm -hmm. and you guys are you know seasoned vets I guess would be a good way to describe it um, <laughs> Yeah, as we close, last question I guess I have for you is, you know, if you were a student at University of Montana, sort of finding your way, trying to figure out a way to get that experience you're talking about, Joe, I mean, I can't tell you how many students come into my office and are like, I can't get these jobs. They don't have any experience. And then they're in this, this sort of death, not death spiral, but they're in this tough space where like, well, how do you apply to this job without the experience? So anyway, if you were a student, if you could turn the clock back, like, what sort of things would you be doing to position yourself for somebody like one of the two of you to say, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on you. Yeah. I, I think there's, um, um, obviously internships that, that Joe talked about, but it, it, it really is the, uh, the, um, the old story of who, you know, right. And it's mm. networking. So for example, a couple of weeks ago, Blackfoot hosted, um, uh, the, the young professionals, um, uh, after hour had a mixer here and there were lots of young professionals in Missoula but there were lots of students here too Great. they were, they were uh, juniors and seniors at the university and they're just kind of figuring out I, again going back to how we opened this um, I, I don't think um, again Blackfoot's been in this physical location for 40 years over here in West Missoula and there's a lot of people out there that don't know where we are or and don't even know what we do so I think um, doing something as simple as hosting a young professionals after hours, get a little exposure to Blackfoot to think, holy cow, here's a world-class technology company yep. that's doing stuff. I, I didn't even know I could do this in Missoula. And I think there's a ton of companies like that, especially in the, uh, within numbers of startups and innovation companies we have who, here. The, the type of world-class employment you can have, you just got to go out and, and find it. And, and I will say, too, as private industry, we need to do a better job of telling our story, too. You know, uh, marketing dollars are precious, and we, and we do that to, to market to our customers that are going to generate revenue for us. But we need to do brand awareness, too, to make sure mm -hmm. that students are aware of what we do, who we are, and the corresponding opportunities uh, as a result. For sure. Yeah. Joe, any kind of closing thoughts on that topic? Yeah, I, I think um, I think for me, you know, mentorship, if I were a student again, mm. and I, I think about sort of my journey here, I mean, I studied chemistry, grew up in New Orleans, studied under a guy named Bill Wilson, um, who was a world-renowned protein chemist. Um, then went on to work under a guy named Kirk Schultz, who was president of Kansas State for a while. Um, you know, uh, I'm under Jason. I mean, I think you have to constantly be looking for people that you have some alignment with, but that uh, are willing to stretch you and push you to sort of think beyond what you do. So there's, there's benefit to networking and getting to know people, but I think yeah. really looking for some people, and it doesn't have to be in the scope of employment all the time, but just someone that you can connect with that's willing to invest a little bit of time 
um, to help you develop yourself because that that's a skill that you you can read all the books in the world and it won't give the same benefit as having a an hour cup of coffee with someone like you from sort of an investment banking sure, perspective sure. and so so I think you know more ways to facilitate that that mentorship and uh, maybe there's programs that exist like that but I, I've even known of some physicians here locally in 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 Missoula that have a desire to connect back with you know early kind of pre-med students just to sort of give them a sense of of, of where they're going. And, and the last point I'll make is it's not only about career, but it's about community. So you connect with a student here that maybe is not from Missoula. They feel that they're welcome. They're part of a family. Um, that gives them reason to want to stay and, and, and be a part of this. And so, again, I think it all ties back to sort of that community piece, and that's about people connecting. And it's really what Blackfoot does. It's really the premise of what C2 and Beta is about. And, um, and so, I, I mean... Even for myself, I'd love to have someone to even sort of mentor and just talk with and, you know, just to help them. So I'll make that sort of a, an open call. I mean, yeah, I, careful. That, that would be great. It'd be, <laughs> great for, it'd be great for me. So anyway. Yeah. You'll have a line um, out your door, which yeah. is good. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been great. I'm inspired by the great stuff that Blackfoot's doing and your, your sort of your footprint and just sort of commitment to this community. Uh, thanks for all you do, and, and, and thanks for your time. Thank you, Thank Justin. You, Justin. Yeah, Appreciate it. Great. Okay, super fun conversation with Joe and Jason. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Excited to see what lies ahead for C2 and Beta. And like I said, pay attention for some uh, announcements in the media coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. All right, on tap next week, we've got Ben Ferens. Ben is a dear personal friend, and he is also just a, um, a jack-of-all-trades entrepreneur in the local economy here. He currently is the, uh, the founder and owner-operator of Ferens. They make just lovely accessories. Uh, most notable are their caps, which you've probably seen around town. And uh, they make several other pieces of uh, exquisite gear as well. And Ben is also just an avid marketer, uh, design enthusiast, uh, adventurer, uh, renaissance man of many sorts. So it's fun to just pick his brain on a variety of topics. And I look forward to bringing that conversation to you next week. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And remember that this podcast was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. They're one of the largest electrical wholesale supply companies in the world with nearly 600 locations. CED is a privately owned business-to-business company that distributes just about every piece of equipment you need to keep your lights on, your energy flowing, and your lifestyle comfortable. CED is also an important employer in our community, and they have a keen interest in University of Montana graduates. To explore career opportunities, check out cedcareers.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways you can support it. First, rate us on iTunes. Ratings help others find the podcast. Second, write a review. The more reviews we get, and hopefully positive ones, the more we can grow. Third, just tell your friends about it. Before we go, I'd like to thank a few folks for making this project happen. First off, thanks to Elizabeth Willie, Communications Director here at the University of Montana College of Business. And thanks to our fabulous interns, Savannah Slutton and Max Gibson. I'd also like to give a special shout out to VTO for providing us with music. And finally, thanks to my producer, Jeff Meese. As we close, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle@umontana.edu. Help us spread the word and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot and see you next time.